Howdy, Rob Lee here, and we're going to get back to the truth in this art, but I want to do a little exercise with you. As you know, the truth in this art is an audio experience, so I'm going to ask you to do something a little different this time and visualize with me. I'm thrilled to reintroduce you to Forged Eatery, a true gem that captures the essence of farm-to-table dining in Baltimore. At Foraged Eatery, they have mastered the art of sourcing local and seasonal ingredients, resulting in a menu that will leave you in awe. Their commitment to quality and to flavor is simply unmatched. Picture yourself, see it's the visual, picture yourself uh, savoring their mushroom stew, a comforting and aromatic dish that transports you to a world of culinary bliss. The depths of flavor and the carefully selected ingredients will tantalize your taste buds. You can swap out and insert the focaccia, which is heavenly, or the irresistible cornmeal fried happy oysters. Each bite is a celebration of culinary mastery. Forged Eatery goes beyond being simply a restaurant. It's an immersive experience where the menu evolves with the seasons. Each visit promises a new and exciting experience for your taste buds, making every moment unforgettable. So, fellow food fans, fellow food lovers, it's time to discover the magic of Forged Eatery. Let their innovative approach to dining and their passion for locally sourced ingredients transport you to a world of culinary excellence. Don't miss out on an extraordinary dining experience. Plan your visit to Forge Eatery today and let your taste buds revel in the true flavors of the season. It's time to indulge in a gastronomic adventure that will leave you craving for more. For more information, visit ForgedEatery.com. Welcome to The Truth in His Heart. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I'm excited to welcome two distinguished guests from the Baltimore art community. First, I have an individual who is not only an artist and curator, but also the co-director of Current Space. Um, his contributions have been pivotal in shaping the art scene in Baltimore. Accompanying him is a dynamic Baltimore-based arts organizer and designer. She's also a co-director at Current Space and plays a pivotal role on the board of the Bromo Arts District. Together, uh, they have been instrumental in the growth and success of their artist-run hub, located in the heart of Bromo Arts and Entertainment District, Current Space. Uh, please join me in welcoming the talented duo from Current Space, Michael Benevento and Julianne Hamilton. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. 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 Glad to be here. Glad to have you on. Uh, I like this sort of dual syncing with the both. You're like... <laughs> 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 so... Um, you know, as we 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 get started, um, I always like to open it up with sort of the the softball question. You know, you have to do a job interview, and it's like, tell me about yourself. It's a version of that, but it's a lot cooler. So, you know, before we get to like the main topics, um, I want to give you both the opportunity to to introduce yourselves in your own words. I think how we introduce ourselves and how we present ourselves extend past the artist statement, extends past, you know, what we might have in that official bio. So if you will, could you please introduce yourselves and, you know, we'll go from there. You want to go first? Sure. <laughs> Hi, um, I'm Julianne Hamilton, co-director at Current Space. And I am an artist, a curator, an arts administrator, a booking 
agent and everything else that is required at current space. Yeah. I'm, I'm Michael Benevento. Like, yeah, likewise, I do share a lot of the like organizing events and yeah, exhibitions, concerts, um, planning like how the space functions. Um, we've been doing a lot of gardening out back like over the warmer months and um, yeah, we both like to travel a lot. Um, I grew up in Houston um, and came to Baltimore in 2001. Nice. I'm a Marylander. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and again, like, like I said, it's, you know, I had most of it in there, but it was a few details that, you know, weren't in there in that initial bio. So, you know, you've, you've fleshed out what I had. So thank you for that. Um, and, and before we go into, you know, deeper into sort of the ins and outs of current space and your, your roles and all, um, one of the other things I think that's important is sort of one of those like early points like in our sort of arcs like hey i remember this show that i really liked and i was like damn i'm going to be on stage one day or i saw this painting and that inspired me to go into you know the arts so you know growing up or even you know but probably growing up i think that's that's more of the point is is there an example or an experience or something that has had like a an impact on you that kind of you know opened your eyes to like art and creativity, performance, things of that nature, or were there any spaces growing up that you're like, hell yeah, I want to do this if I have the opportunity. Tell me about that. Oh, yeah, I guess. So I guess the most related to stuff I'm doing now is um, I guess I spent half my childhood in Houston and half in like a suburb of Houston where there was a lot of like construction work happening. And so as a a teenage skateboarder and we would like raid the construction sites and build forts in the woods or like we'd build skateboard ramps and initially we were like we'd put them in like the parking lots of strip malls late at night or like um in the like in the street or driveway and eventually we built we found like an old vacant lot with a bunch of friends and we like cleared all the the weeds and set up kind of like this like teenage skate park in the middle of like on a vacant kind of like foundation in in the woods and um the kind of kind of shaped similar trajectory it was like this teen initiative that eventually got squashed by the you know by the city right then uh spawned like a lot of other like setting up skateboard ramps like impromptu and like strip malls or like um yeah i guess like and eventually they were like the the township built skate parks later on after like all these kids lost their skate park <laughs> that they built <laughs> but yeah i guess like it's kind of yeah similar with like current space like occupying a vacant building um and then eventually getting ownership of it but I guess, yeah, it kind of created a yeah similar <laughs> trajectory. That's big. That's important. Um, and, and, I, and I, w I want you to go next, Julian, but I, I definitely want to touch on one thing in there. Like, like I, I've mentioned sort of this in this podcast before, but, you know, sometimes it's just having the exposure and the experience around a, a particular thing. Like, you know, when I was like five, right, podcasts did not exist. 
like radio, sure, but podcasts did not exist or just talking to people and having interesting conversations. And one of the things I always look back at, which terrifies me now as a nearly 40 year old person is the notion of getting on stage. Um, I was like five and I was an MC, you know, for like, you know, elementary school, preschool graduation. So just imagine me, but truncated, almost like a Funko Pop, right? Like really big glasses and just really smaller, but just going on stage. And it's something about that commanding and, and people listening to you and just, I don't know, it's just, I look back on that terrified, but also like that was a fond moment. And I see sort of the the crumbs, if you will, or the dotted lines to what I'm doing now. Yeah, that's great. And props to you for for uh, overcoming that, I guess, and be on this this kind of a stage. I'm neither one of neither Michael or I are super super comfortable with public speaking. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, <laughs> it's um it's it's a thing. Uh, I, I remember um, not too long ago. Uh, being on, being in front of a group of very wealthy people. And, um, I, I had an award, um, that funded a lot of last season's work. So having to like, Hey guys, you know, that money you gave me and, and just looking at these, these folks that was like, you're a millionaire and I do a podcast and kind of <laughs> that and, and being very thankful. But I, I think I, I found sort of the, um, just like, what do I know? You know what I mean? Like, I know how to talk about the thing that I do. And that's what kind of helped me get past it. But those initial nerves and I'm very tall. So I'm like, how can I make myself smaller and, and, and hide? And um, I, I think once I just kind of just didn't really think about it and just did what I knew, like just talking about my thing, it made it so much more easy for me. Yeah. So for you, Julianne, uh, what any anything that comes to mind as far as like those those early like points around creativity, performance, uh, you know, art, anything that comes to mind, you're like, yeah, that's one of those early points where I was like, oh, I like art or hey, I like creative stuff or hey, I like performance or things of that nature. Yeah, I was really lucky to grow up in a family that um, supported artists and um, like art was a part of my life as a child. My mom. Um, painted watercolors and she would always take me to museums or do lots of different arts and crafts projects with me. And those are some of my fondest childhood memories were like, she'd get like the good coloring book that had like complicated designs and like the big box of crayons. And we could like each take a page of that coloring book, um, left or right. And then I would show them to my dad and be like, okay, which is better, me or my mom? And I can't imagine how he, how he answered that. Like, who was he going to pick? I feel like he probably picked me out because he just had to say them were better. And I took it seriously. That's great. Um, <laughs> something else I think about, um, an early memory that I, I see, I see, um, more now was also as a teenager going to different uh, places where like bands could play. You could like see other, I guess other teenagers bands, really, maybe college students bands, but that like DIY spirit and having a place to go and, and seeing what that meant for both like friends who were in bands playing, having somewhere to perform, but also having this community space for ourselves. Um, you know, now that I'm doing current space, I can, I just think about that more and how valuable that was and how lucky I was to have that in my town. Um, yeah. 
um, in the suburbs in Arundel County. So. It's fantastic. Um, and shout out to the throwback like coloring books. Uh, <laughs> I, I still have um, I have a lot of coloring books in the studio. I'm recording from that currently. And uh, I have some of my old art books um, when I was uh, younger. Um, we didn't have a lot of artists in our family. I had like an uncle I never met. He passed before I was born. And he he did like commercial art. And it was just like, oh, I'm going to paint this billboard in the late 70s. And I was like, oh, wow, this is we have an artist here. And um, and unfortunately, none of his like stuff was there that I could kind of like go back and see. So I was kind of learning on my own of like what I was what I was interested in. I was always a doodler always sketching, always rushing through my test, taking my B so I can draw for the rest of the class. And every year, and I still have these books, every year um, my um, other uncles or my grandmother would get me either art supplies, like here's an art book, how to draw comic characters or color pencils and things of that nature. And they're in the studio to this day. So like 30 plus years of being able to track, like you've always been creative. You always have been around it and interested in it. It's great to have that archive too. Yeah. So I want to move into a bit about like current space. So for, for those who are undipped, because, you know, this podcast is kind of everywhere, like, you know, a few other places. So for those who are undipped, what is current space? Um, mission feels weird. You know, I don't know if I like that word. It seems too corporate But what is current space and what is the mission for those who are undipped and unfamiliar? Oh, I mean... I guess we've been in this building since 20. Oh. <laughs> I have no idea. You're jumping too deep. Uh, <laughs> never oh, even gotcha. heard of it. What even is it? Is it a so we have a store? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, have a gallery space and outdoor performance space and studios. And recently we added a, a, a bar function mm -hmm. to the outdoor performance space. And this year, 2024, is our 20th anniversary of existing, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, and our mission. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, go ahead. Oh, we've had like, I guess like in the gallery space, we have, we run exhibitions about every month, month and a half, uh, typically the rotation and then outdoors in the summer months about half the year or I guess half the year spring summer fall will run performances from some of its music some of its theater fashion shows um, poetry readings and book readings all kinds of stuff intentionally trying to create a variety of uh, programming oh yeah I, um, I I was able to visit twice in the last like few months. I, I was there for, uh, I believe, a fantasy machine and uh, my partner's kid walked in one of the shows. So that was really cool to kind of be there posted up. I was like, yeah, fashion. We love it. And enjoying sort of the the, the bar setup as well in the food trucks. It was it was like it was a great night. It's a great night. It has a great catfish. Great show. Great art. <laughs> and. And even being there for sort of the the gallery side as well, I was there with my one of my friends, Adio, and you know it's 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 a great like sort of place, and it definitely speaks to at least from my my vantage point. This is a Baltimore place. This has multiple things, and it attracts multiple like people, and that's the thing that really sticks out for me about um, current space. What in in, in kind of looking back a bit in that that 20 year history 
sort of like what has been sort of the, I guess, the impact and sort of supporting both the local scene and even sort of like international artists, I would imagine. Like, you know, Baltimore has a lot of talent that comes in that it doesn't get a lot of juice and representation around. But I see like so many dope people who have connections at current space. So speak a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I guess we've been around so long. We've worked with people over the years, multiple times and kind of created a history. And it's, I think, uh, you know, some people who lived here moved away. And then when they come back to a town, they'll want to do stuff here and vice versa. When people are, um, I guess with the performances, when people are touring, they kind of like will pair up with somebody local and that'll build relationships so that when the person here is touring, they'll have like a connection when they go to other towns. Um, you kind of do that in the gallery as well. Um, you know, if we're showing, if we are showing an international or national artist, we'll also definitely want to show um, an artist from Baltimore um, and kind of create those connections and also bring different audiences together. And then even just having the gallery open at the same time as um, outdoor programming, that really uh, creates different crowds mm -hmm. for both events. Yes, it's it's definitely like, you know, he's in the Ghostbusters reference. I was crossing the streams here and that, <laughs> you know, in, in seeing like when I was there, like, you know, in those two instances, like, I think it was just like, you guys just happened to be open when I checked out like the gallery space and I was looking at the different like work from people. I was like, interviewed them, interviewed them, interviewed them. <laughs> and then, you know, being able to attend in a, you know, the, the fashion show and having a whole audience of people that I don't really know, that I want to know, that I'm seeing like interesting work. And you know, I wear Carhartt in like dirty jeans, you know, I don't, I don't know fashion, you know what I mean? But seeing people that are makers and they're creating and seeing sort of this avant-garde and this whimsy that is there and this kawaii thing that's there. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is an area that I need to be more aware of and try to like open up a bit. And that comes from being there, being there in that environment, in that scene. Oh, that's awesome. That's such a, we love that event. That was the, this past year was the fifth year for um, Fantasy Machine. It's a fashion show that um, Meg Beck puts together and it just gets better every year. This past year was the first time we had two shows because it was so popular the year before that we were like, oh, we better have like an early show and a late show. We, we had to turn people away the year before. I mean, I was able to get in exclusivity, exclusivity, exclusivity. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so touching on that actually a little bit more, like, what is the, I guess, like the the approach when it comes to sort of collaboration and and working within the the various scenes? Because, you know, it is a space and there is like sort of timing of like, all right, we can only really do this. This person might have work that's out that's really great, but we can only really do this at this time or even in, in doing this for, you know, using this as an example, this podcast, you know, two years ago, I put out 333 episodes. It's almost episode a day. Last year, 170 this year i plan to do about 180 and it's just like it's a time commitment it's an energy it's a resources thing and i have to really think through that process it can be all great conversations very interesting conversations but all don't don't really fit what is that sort of like criteria that comes into mind as far as like events and showcasing work and things of that nature i mean i guess there's like a lot of we 
do studio visits and like organize shows, but we also take a lot of proposals in both the gallery space and the outdoor performance space and work with other organizations that um, will like, like we work with Black Cherry Puppet Theater and they'll do their puppet slam, which, you know, twice a year. Yeah, in addition to stuff that they do at their own space, so kind of like helping uh, provide a space for others as well. Um, and then a couple times a year, we'll also have like programming meetings where um, we work with other like uh, there's a number of people who volunteer and like are interested in coming into doing like programming sometimes. And so we'll kind of get feedback from from them as well. We were able to do a lot more programming in the last couple of years than um, all the years before, at least outdoor programming, um, because we got a liquor license in 2019 and also a live entertainment um, permits were finalized. So yeah. that, that that really streamlined yeah. things because previously we would get a special event license for each event, which was very time consuming to navigate the permit process. It would take like, uh, you know, like a week or two of going to the permit office almost every day. Um, and now we just kind of have that permission ongoing. So that kind of cuts that step out. So instead of, and like that process also limited to doing like two a month. Um, now we can do like, as many as we want that we can keep up with, which has been about three or four a week <laughs> um, over the summer. But um, gallery is a little different, though, because um, we had kind of a similar experience to what you're describing with your podcast cadence, where we we wanted to have our exhibitions a up a little longer because it used to be more like up for just like four weeks and then change over well, that was like when the space first started we were mm -hmm. um it was like a month-to-month -month lease on a vacant city-owned building um and so we were trying to jam in as much programming as possible so our shows were like like three or four weeks with like five days in between yeah. and so it's pretty fast turnaround um and then we were kind of like realizing like, oh, our show's coming down before like. Everybody like, can even see them or yeah. the press can possibly write about them or it just seemed like it's, it's, too much work to put the show up and pull it down that quickly. And so it was sort of a conscious decision to want to be able to invest a little more time into each show. Yeah. But then it's really hard because we look at the calendar and we're like, man, that's how many exhibitions we can have. And that's it. Like, how, like, how, how do can we, we pick? How and, can we do everything? <laughs> and I think that process is really challenging, deciding um, which exhibitions to ultimately have. Um, and it, there are so many more great proposals and artists who we would love to work with every year than we can show. And we do kind of prioritize um like diversity and variety. Um, so it could be like, well, that person's, their work is really great, but we already showed like two painting shows in a row and really want to show something else um, this coming month or yeah. kind of considerations like that. 
That's 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 super important to have sort of this diverse array of you know creativity of of artists. I mean, when you know having these conversations behind the scenes about you know who's getting funding, for instance, or who's getting opportunities, mm-hmm. it's kind of like you know some certain pockets believe, oh yeah, let's just you know have this visual artist up there. We're just going to have paintings, and that's going to be it. And then let's say you know, people who do, let's say, dance or movement art or even like a podcast, like I'm not an artist. I don't, I'm, I'm not even considered in a conversation, but folks feel like they're not getting those sort of opportunities. So having something that is like like transparent that we are considering, you know, just various different types of people who do creative disciplines and that fit within this, this rubric, I think that's really cool. And, you know, going back to that sort of um, the crossover, you know, it's like people who like paintings, they may not want to see an, a different type of or they they may not encounter sort of someone who does maybe a different discipline. But being able to have that and have the spaces that sort of focal point and bringing folks there is like, oh, I know that they always have good stuff here. So let's see this other thing that I might not know about. Oh, now I'm suddenly into this new thing that I didn't know about. Thanks, current space. <laughs> yeah. And also like the people creating things, they're also like might be in an exhibition and then like meeting other artists in different uh, disciplines or they influence each other and like might be in a variety show the next, yeah, the next week. And like um, kind of like encouraging that blurring of practices with like people making things mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Collaboration in, in the DIY thing, especially here is, 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 is big. It's, it's just, it's just baked in you know, to like the things that we do is like, I'm going to figure it out. It's going to happen. And, you know, I, so current space is right there in, in Bromo, in the Bromo Seltzer, like area, Bromo Arts District. And, you know, whenever I see like spaces, I'm always like, I hope it's something cool if I haven't been in there before. And then when I go and I was like, okay, cool. And this is one of the reasons why I was like, I got to reach out. We got to get this interview. We got to make this happen. And how how does it feel like what are some of the advantages and the experiences of, of being there in you know one of the one of the art districts for one but sort of right there downtown right there on that you know there's been an investment and focus in that area i'll say over the last few years now covid's been a been a, been a piece of it but over the last few years what has that experience been like uh, i mean it's changed a lot i mean only in the last few years like I guess we moved into this building in 2010 and when we moved in like a lot of the buildings around us were vacant and we kind of watched the buildings around us collapsing um I mean like when we, a couple years after being here we felt like the floors from the building next to us fall in like an earthquake and like the elevator shaft fall off of a building into the alleyway and like <laughs> um and now a lot of the buildings around us are like construction sites or like apartment buildings. And so it's kind of, uh, I guess, drastically changed the last few years. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes, current was in this location before the Bromo Arts District was designated. Mm. I think that having being in the Arts District is like wonderful. Uh, I'm actually on the board of the Bromo Arts District. And I think that the Bremo district's done a great job of bringing um, these spaces together and letting people know that they're all here in this concentration. Um, Because Baltimore is such a city of artists in general. 
But um, I think things like the Bromo Art Walk, which happens twice a year, really let people come out and see how much is going on right around us. And I think also um, it's really helpful that the Bromo Arts District provides funding to spaces for that. Like they don't just suggest like it would be great if you did something. They actually provide the means for spaces to do it because a lot of these spaces are um, they're more DIY spaces and um, having that funding lets them actually like facilitate like really special free programming on those days. Yeah. Right. Artist stipends. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the spaces are volunteer run. And so like, if there's funding, like the artist performing can just get a flat rate versus like charging an admission to get paid. And and I, I think sort of like the two of you being artists, being, you know, around that kind of having that perspective, like I, in, in doing, you know, this podcast and doing things that are offshoots of it, you know, it, the, it's like you guys, you know, that are in these sort of offshoots, it's like, it's hyper professional, it's hyper this, it's hyper that. And that support isn't there. It's like, you're left to your own devices. And it's like, I'm bringing the audience, I'm bringing the idea, I'm bringing the programming. It's like, I always do a lot of things. And, you know, being there and just kind of like, really not wanting to leave when I was at a fantasy machine and wanted to just hang out longer. I was like, actually, I would like to do an event here. You know, Mm -hmm. that's the way that I was looking at it versus, Hey, you know, we have this lighting. It's like, no, no, no. DIY is more of my speed. This is more of my setup. You're around the people and you're, you know, with the people, there's a bar and this place looks really cool. It feels like there's creativity here versus this buttoned up thing that just kind of is, it's a term that I use called artificial vibes. That those places feel like artificial, whereas, you know, my experience at Current Space, it hasn't. It feels like this is like a real vibe. This is a real like energy. And the people that are supposed to be here are here. And this is dope. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Something we think about a lot, actually. Like whenever we go to a space where we're like, man, this place, like, it's brand new. Like it has, it has nice stuff, but or like somebody really sterile. cared about the arts here. They really wanted to make this work. And yeah, but if it doesn't feel right, we're like, like, why is that? And how do we make sure we don't do that? It seems like the worst case scenario to like have more funding and come out with the worse outcome. I think it's for us at least. I think it's, I, I think like, it's only time. I think that you can't, it's just like. It's not only that. I think, cause like we, for most of our operations, we were like a volunteer run space. Um, and it was more like problem solving how to like, how can we get money to pay for things? Like whether it's just to like exist, pay the utility bills, um, like pay artists, pay like, like how do we, how do we buy our own time so that we don't have to work other jobs was like a more recent thing. And also like create jobs for other people to be here as well. Like we were like part of the getting a liquor license was to, um, we're able to like hire other artists to be bartenders. And like, we're able to like do events that like, like wouldn't necessarily generate enough money like like doing a poetry reading like we're not going to make a ton off of like charging an admission but we could sell alcohol at it and at least make something that we could 
like pay for staffing and supplies and stuff and like pay the um give like a stipend yeah um i think like when you're talking about like vibe and how you feel in a space though it like so much of that is like you can you can just like tell if someone cared about that place in on a personal level and like thought yeah it's like problem solving on like how these things can exist rather than like creating this like I guess it's more like problem solving how to like yeah like how the programming can exist versus like how do you add programming to like this like tool that you created you know I I hear you and you know they're, I'm, I'm on a board at a place and, you know, it's it's definitely the liquor license is important. It's super important. And uh, because it just opens up sort of because we all run into sort of the the cash flow challenges or how can we do this? We can we afford to do X amount of shows or something that might not be sort of like that, like the poetry, like uh, readings, you know, example, it may not be the biggest driver, or you suddenly have to have sponsorship with someone who sucks, you know, because you need to pay for a certain thing. But I think having sort of that, that liquor license for sake of argument, or even like a screening option, because I do movie nights on occasion, just having something that is definitely a magnet and it's something that'll keep folks there and have them having that vibe, having that good time and enjoying the space. And, you know, I think even like having a liquor license for sake of argument, you can just say like, look, we're going to have drink specials that are aligned with the theme of this artist's work, for instance, or the theme of the show or whatever it might be and get really creative and people can show off their um, Epicurean skills, if you will, you know, behind the, uh, the bar. And I think it opens up so many different opportunities to see people do their stuff and, and realize certain ideas. Um, you know, when, when I look back at the the first season of this podcast, I had a um, friend on who made cocktails and they'd been a bartender in the city in various places. And we were just talking heavily about sort of the artistry of making a really good cocktail and, and being, you know, the improv- improvisation in it and all of these these different things. And briefly we had like a special cocktail that i would get and it was just like pre-made batch style you know this is 2020 i'm like send it over send it over this is great you know a mojito with cbd in it is amazing (laughs) (laughs) i I got pretty deep into that this past this past couple of years since we got the license um i didn't really know very much about bartending before that i'd like bartended at a Japanese like hibachi restaurant in maybe 2010 or 11 and that for like six months and that was it and then we were like cool let's have let's open a bar as part of our art space yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what should our drinks be yeah. and I like got a ton of different books about it and just began experimenting and I feel like I reached like a new level this past year making like a milk punch which was more more technical i guess had like a lot more planning to go in went into it but i think all of our bartenders are artists as well and um they i think i think it's like their fun day yeah my friends won't come visit me at my other job, but like here they can like hang out with me at work also like watching some of the shows and seeing some of the shows too while they're mm-hmm. and coming up with like coming up with like drink specials on the fly and, and events too like some of them have like yeah. organized events um, yeah and like yeah they're yeah. also contributing programming 
but I think that's like been a shift because like when we first started, it was more like uh, it was like a gallery space. Like we used to be on Calvert Street and it was like a gallery space. And then we had studios upstairs and we just kind of like divided all the expenses between everybody. Yeah. That was kind of like the, the studios subsidized the gallery space. Um, and then we kind of, I guess over time, it kind of like shifted models where we we have studios, but it's more of like a, like they're subsidized. It's more like a, a, an amenity that we offer. Like we we're able to like, I mean, that kind of just paid like pays for BGE and like <laughs> we're able to like, I think having like a a range of sources um has like allowed us to do like more experimental programming so we can like we've had um like people also there's also memberships where people donate like five to twenty five dollars a month and that like um and then we also apply for grants and the bar liquor license and the studios and so at the end there's also like art sales but like having that variety of sources allows us to not be like um limited as far as like a lot of the programming that we're able to do mm -hmm. it's dope it's good which it kind of, it kind of shifts me into this this next question and <laughs> i think it's an interesting question where when we're doing so many things and you both have talked about all of the hats uh julian you're wearing a hat currently uh but <laughs> with, with all of the hats that we wear we're picking up other skills that kind of flushes out sort of the toolbox like you know i i kind of i'm self-taught when it comes to this audio stuff right um i've had to learn how to do some web design because i can't afford one and, and things of that nature so you know what, what would you say are some of the skills like that you've been able to kind of pick up that you know, and, and, and booking and, and working with folks and, and sort of, you know, curating maybe different types of events than you thought you'd ever curate before and things of that in age or, or, or shows, for instance, and, and things of that nature. Like, what are some of those skills that you've picked up just out of necessity that you've you've had to to kind of keep current space like rolling and putting out this ever changing, very interesting and I, I dig it. Like, you know, chatting with you has just been been great so far. Um, but what are some of those skills you picked up? Big list, get ready. Yeah, there's so many. I mean, in addition to just like the the programming, there's like I guess in what 2017. Um, so our first building, we were in it for about five years, and this one, we were in it since like 2010. Um, and they were both city-owned buildings that were vacant. Um, and like the first one, it was like an RFP that the city put out for artists to occupy. And like after when the building was going to get demolished, we had to move out. And that so when we came here, we were like, how do we not get pushed out again? <laughs> um, and so that was the building here went up for like developers to bid on it um with the rest of the block and so we're kind of like what is a developer and like what Not is this language a developer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so we talked to one of our friends who um Marion Glebes mm -hmm. uh she helped us like she used to work for Mike Schechter and Station North and helped us navigate some of the like even just the language, I didn't, I was like, what is a soft cost? How can I list my soft costs? What are soft, what is that? Yeah. What does this mean? <laughs> this is a foreign language. Or like coming up with a performa, but, and like, just like 
what are the yeah. What is a performa? Google yeah. <laughs> Google performa. Sources and uses. And, um, yeah. But yeah, buying the building and basically becoming a real estate developer in a way was a huge, a huge new hat that was occupied a lot of our energy for probably like four years. Yeah, like learning how to talk to banks and architects and structural engineers and like um contractors. That's and... not a hat I ever thought I would I would put on. Yeah. And that was, yeah, navigating fire safety stuff and um, to like. Yeah, you also do a lot of things to with the building itself. Yeah, like. Um, there's a lot of things that like what we had, like a the plumber came to do some work on the bar and he looked at like what Michael had already done and he was like, nah you're you just do it i'm not gonna do this <laughs> <laughs> he's like you can do it you don't need me <laughs> it was the plumber, right? yeah it was um i mean a lot of it i mean a lot of i guess early on we were you know we couldn't afford to do a lot of the things um and so like our the sprinkler pipe that for like the fire sprinklers ruptured under the parking lot was causing a sinkhole Oh. And so we had to like, you know, most, it's not like a plumber thing or a, uh, like, or like a, a normal sprinkler company that would do that. There's like very specialized people who would do it, but they charge a lot. They're like, they're kind of, like, you know, if we come out, we're like 900 an hour and like, wow. and like, and so I was like, well, like, what if I dig it up myself and then you just put the little clamp on? And it's like, it, it, what I'm hearing is such the, the vibe of like, I like I am about a few weeks removed from when I first bought my house and my house was a full mm. guy. And, um, you know, moving in, everything is new, quote unquote. But I'm like, this was a flip. So, you know, what was the care and the attention here? And, you know, you're buying your first thing and I'm trying not to have the anxiety and all of that stuff of someone's going to hop my fence and steal my heat pump and all of that stuff. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember because I'm not I'm not cheap, but I am very like oriented around. There's a solution to this. That's not the one, the fear based one of like, if you don't do this, everything is going to blow up in your face. And yeah. I remember this is so ridiculous. Um, I, I, you know, checked with a few different people. I got one of those cages that you put around the heat pump and I ended up ordering it from uh, Florida and having it shipped up. And then I bought a hammer, um, uh, what is it? A, um, a, a hammer drill and I bolted it to my, my pad itself. Yeah. And it ended up being about $350 for the full setup. And I got to keep the, the drill and the average quote I was getting was $950, $1,200 to do the exact same thing. And I was like, I'm confident I could just do this. So anything that comes up at home, unless it's like electrician, electricity or something like that, it's a little, can be dangerous. I'm like, I'm confident that I can do that. I feel like I picked that skill up and having the confidence to, you know, kind of figure it out. And it's in essence, my baby. But the thing that is is odd, if something were to happen, it not only affects my like living situation, but it affects my like creative situation because both of these things are nested in this, this one place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, home ownership and building ownership. 
I mean, that's shifted too. Like when we, before we, you know, when we were on a month to month lease, it was kind of like, how much should we spend on the building? Like, um, any month it could be taken away. And like, so like the first building we were in was in better shape. This, the building we're in now was, it had been vacant for like, it was a temp agency before we moved in. Um, or it was vacant for like a year before that, but before that it was a a temp agency and it was like, there was a lot of weird work on it. And like (laughs) the, the roof was, uh, was shot and it was just like, um, you know, we had just been like patching it and just kind of like, Oh, well this, we just won't use this room anymore. It leaks in this room or like, (laughs) and so that kind of changed the dynamics a lot. It's like, Oh, well, like if we can, if, if we're not going to get like pushed out in a month, like we could like invest more in like the, it's like, Oh, if we had, and we also like, when we got the building, we got a grant to Mm -hmm. replace the roof and like, improve the fire safety and stuff like that and so it was like we could which also like replacing the roof allowed us to like open up more studio spaces because we no longer had to like not have the leaky room that we store <laughs> chairs in or whatever yeah. that's that's different watercolors right there i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it is like when i i look around like baltimore and and, and like i'm just really happy that that you two are making it happen you know, if I'm being really honest about it, because I, I look around Baltimore and I see, you know, like I'm in East Baltimore and I see like stuff that's just closed. And as I touched on earlier, when I see something like new construction, I'm like, I hope it's cool. I hope it's not like, you know, loft style living. And, yeah. and, and it it kind of bugs me when it does turn into that. I want it to be something where I like to go out. I like to see things. I like to, you know, I don't say it as a bit. You know, it's it's real. When I talk about this podcast, it's arts, culture, and community. I want to see those things intersect. And I think that's that's at the root of current space for me. Like, that's what I think of when I think of current space. And I see, like, places that are, you know, opening, and then it it might not be on solid foundation, but you two are making it happen. So I applaud you for that of, like, you know, 20 years strong. So uh, shout out to (laughs) y'all. So I got like one sort of like real last real question. And then I got these rapid fire questions. And um, the last real question goes a little something like this. Um, what what are we, what, what's on the horizon? I guess, um, you know, this is January. So we're right at the beginning of the year. What's on the horizon? Like, what are you excited for in, in 2024 in this 20th year? Uh, I mean, we're, we're planning like anniversary events, um, kind of all year, not just one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just, I guess, planning out the, uh, exhibition schedule and figuring out like how and programming the outside. I mean, last year was the first year that we had the whole season, um, from April through October being the season. Yeah. And so just kind of like like learning from that and like trying to figure out how we should structure it. I'm excited about a lot of the things that we're going to be able to bring back this year because last year, because it was that first full season was so much like things happening for the first time. Um, And there were things that were coming back too, but there were a number of like things that might happen on like a monthly basis. Um, 
like a 16 millimeter film night or a different poetry reading or a variety show. Um, and now it's like, feels really good to be able to, I'm like this week, I'm sending out emails to all those people like, all right, that was awesome. Like, I hope you're still in to do it again next year. Like what should our schedule be? And to kind of be able to start the year with so much more um, established programming and then, and then like be able to fill in from there, from that point, and then like kind of scrambling is going to feel really good. That's, that's wonderful. I mean, having, once you've gone through it and, and and I say that in doing this, like, you know, I could talk to someone who's just like, I got nothing, bro. And I'm like, we're going to get a cool conversation out of this. Or <laughs> even in these, these instances where, you know, and, and I've said this and just when people ask me, like, what, what was the thing that you were super happy about or excited about in this podcast? Or what are the interviews that stick out? And, you know, I did this month of interviews around like jazz music. And it was something I was trying to do for about three years, for the, almost the duration of the podcast until I actually accomplished it. So when it comes to doing something that's hyper curated, like I did 12 interviews across Baltimore, Philly, New Orleans and uh, D.C., for jazz musicians and jazz champions. And I was like, oh, I can put together a month that has a theme and I can do it in multiple cities because I've done it. And having that sort of evidence, that referential like evidence, like, oh yeah, I can do this. Or we'll put together programming. Like when I I, I think at um at another venue in, in Baltimore, I did um like monthly movie nights. And I would uh, book um, me and someone that was related to the film. So we did um, movies that were in Baltimore and were filmed in Baltimore. And we did um, this one movie, Hit a State, the Chris Rock movie. And obviously he's running for office and all of this stuff. I had a political strategist on stage talking about that with me. And I'm like, I'm confident I can put together something that's going to hit an audience with my own weirdness. So having that, you know, exposure and that, that sort of confidence around it must feel really good. Yeah, it, it, it's great. Alrighty. So, and thank you. This is this has been good. Uh, this has been really good. Now, it's going to get bad. It's rapid fire. <laughs> 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 um, so this is the rapid fire portion of the podcast. Um, got a few questions, um, you know, and as I tell, tell everyone, don't overthink these questions. You know, what you said is what you said, you know, so, uh, you know, and you're out of time to just say, so you know, kidding. Um, so here's here's the first one. Wait, who's going to answer first? If it's rapid oh. fire, I mean. <laughs> uh, or we could do, since you since you two are a team, you know, that's the thing. That's the thing. You two are a duo. Um, you can say, uh, bing, buzzer, or whatever, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and in the form of a question. Okay. Um, how, however you guys want to go with it. It's, I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm good with it. This, this is weird. No, it's a race. All right. <laughs> Connotation here is fine. Uh, so... This one is going to be pretentious, but I think it's funny. How do you stay current? <laughs> oh, you go ahead, Michael. I mean, we we work with mostly living artists. Mm -hmm. um, and like, yeah, I guess we're constantly, and also like reflecting on what we do too. There's like, we're like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Doing, yeah, <laughs> I guess, live, yeah. Yeah, I, we... Well, almost exclusively. Almost there's, exclusive there's, a, super, yeah. I know, there's a, there's a, um, really sad exception right, right now. We are actually, um, we just hosted last Sunday the memorial for Elena Johnston, who was a good friend of ours and also 
an artist who had a studio at Current Space, and we have her work up right now. And we actually just decided that we're going to keep it up. So when this podcast comes out, if anyone listening wants to come by and see Elena's work, it'll be up um, for a few more weeks. But that's a pretty rare exception to that living artist role. Usually we want to really be supporting people who can be directly benefiting from that that support and and also like showing work that they're making right now um as far as how far out we're booking things and and whatnot thank you so earlier the the traveling was mentioned as a a thing as as an interest so i want to travel more i've traveled and i always do certain things when i travel like you know, as my partner says, she's like, where's the rosé? I need the coffee. I don't keep <laughs> about the room. Um, that's her. Me, I'm, uh, I'm I'm the same, you know. Um, so when you're traveling, you're visiting a new place, sort of what is the first thing or within that, that list of first things that you got to do? Let's say you've checked in and all of that stuff. You've done all of the required things. But is it I got to find like you know, where the coffee shop is, where are the museums, where's the bars or, or whatever it is. I look for the neighborhood because I think it's a confluence of all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But what is the first thing that you do when you're traveling to a new place? <laughs> you're like, before even getting there, I, there's spreadsheets. I know. <laughs> oh, I don't, what do you mean when you get there? You don't have on your spreadsheet, It's <laughs> good. It's good. <laughs> um, but um, like what, what you just said about the neighborhood, we we do look for arts districts and um, maybe like contemporary art spaces. And if we make that, if there's say a space that someone's recommended, um, and this would be more, you know, for city travel, but if we're uh, checking out a cool gallery and if they, if you go there first, you can also ask people there, like, well, what else is cool? Now that I'm at one, like, kind of cool spot, like, where would what where would you go to dinner? What are you? What's happening tonight? And we've seen that happen uh, here too. Like I, there's one time these um, these like German people came through. They just found us on do DIY. Mm. They're like squatter punks, like woofing across the U.S. <laughs> uh-huh. And they just walked in. We were open, and and then they were like, well, "What else is in Baltimore?" and and I don't know. We just like kept chatting with them, and they ended up staying at our house for a few days, and then and going. Then we, we went to we stayed with our friend in New York, and they came with us, and we slept at their their house, and it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was a whole. Those things. Okay, not we haven't ever like gone to another city with somebody based on like visiting a gallery, but we have. Um, I guess you find like similar yeah. personalities too. Like oh, this is. This person reminds me of like this person from Baltimore too. <laughs> okay, but we got in trouble with that once because we went, we were in Iceland and we we were like waiting in line to get a slice of pizza after the bar is closed. So like everyone leaves, pours out, goes into this line for pizza and we're in line and the person in front of us, we start chatting with him and he has a recording studio and he like reminds us of our friend here who has a recording studio. And in my, in our mind, he's like, yeah, it's like, Oh, that's just like, that's our friend. But like this version of him in Iceland. So like we already know him <laughs> and then we, he's like, Oh, I'm having a party at my, in my, in my recording studio. Do y'all want to come? We're like, yeah, of course. Sounds great. <laughs> And so we go with him and then it's like, well, it's not a party. It's just us. That's kind of weird. And it's, 
It's like not really in the city. It's like near the airport. I'm like, well, where? Well, are you proud of the city? And this this person actually like isn't Jared. He's actually a stranger. We're the answer to the city, and we're the only people. And like, and he kept talking about how like he's like, there's like no crime in Iceland, but like, but I'm not Icelandic. I'm German. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, there's only like one murder a year and i come here once a year <laughs> i was like is this a quiz like is this is a quiz is this like a actual <laughs> horror movie where like he's gonna give us three strikes and then we're out <laughs> and his, wow. his sweater had skulls on it yeah <laughs> i showed you guys all of the signs what are you doing yeah. <laughs> uh so we left yeah. <laughs> but, you know, many other times like we have made made friends and uh, formed connections by checking out an art space as yeah. one of our first stops that's, outside of our spreadsheet list of course that's, that's, <laughs> that's really great that's 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 amazing um so i got i got i got i got two more uh <laughs> so um you you you, t you touched on you know pizza a second ago and i had happened to have this question in here uh, <laughs> What is your favorite pizza topping? Like, if you could only pick one, what is the topping? That's a combination count. <laughs> You're cheating. <laughs> I think a Hawaiian, Hawaiian, with, Hawaiian with jalapenos. Hawaiian regular. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I, I'll accept that. That's the style. That that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. Um, I I have, if I ever get into a space, like I've had coffees named after me and cocktails named after me or the podcast, what have you, I want to get to a spot where I have a pizza named after mm. me. I have a very pretentious pizza order. It's fake healthy. It's like broccoli, spinach, blue cheese, extra cheese. <laughs> Like that's just your stomach is having having questions. Your stomach has, <laughs> like, you know, who who must I talk to? Um, that's great. Um, Hawaiian, I'm I'm here for it. Um, so okay, this is the last one. Uh, if you could have one superpower, that's and that's not be smart asses here. If we could have, if you could have one superpower, what would superpower be? Flying. Not me. Whenever I have dreams about flying, I'm always flapping like a chicken and it's like really hard work. So I feel like if I wished for that, that's somehow what I would end up with. <laughs> so exhausting flapping around. Um, um, I just flew away from ice. And boy, are my arms tired. I just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, flying is a good one though. Mm. Maybe, maybe just more like what, more like what's Harry Potter operating. Okay. I don't even want to fly. Don't fly. Just like pop to a new place. <laughs> I guess that kind of ties into travel too. <laughs> I, I want invisibility because I enjoy the tea. You know, I, I'll say that. I'm just like, oh yeah, just here. Oh, what'd you say? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that large shadow right there that's invisible? What's, what's this? Uh, <laughs> so, so, um, that's pretty much it. You, you guys are off the hot seat um, for this uh, rapid fire portion. Um, it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun there. Um, so as we close out, one, I want to thank the both of you for coming on and making the time. We got it. We made it happen. And um, two, I want to invite and encourage you in these final moments to share the social media, the website, all of that good stuff for folks to follow and check out Current Space. So the floor is yours. Sure. You can find us at currentspace.com on Instagram at currentspace. We have a, uh, in our link in bio on Instagram or on our website, you can find information about how to become a member. 
Uh, gallery hours over the winter are generally on Saturdays, but check our website. Uh, Saturdays from 1 to 5 p.m., but check our website to make sure that there is an exhibition up. And once the weather warms up, we'll be open again uh, from Wednesday through Saturday from 5 to 11 p.m. typically. But that's, again, sort of check the website. There's certain nights of the week that we have admission events. Other nights are free, but that's all on our calendar. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Michael Benevento and Julianne Hamilton from Current Space for coming on and sharing a bit about their journey and their perspectives. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, culture, and community in and around your neck of the woods. You've just got to look for it. Oh,